0: Hi everyone, I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favourite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Natalia Bestzina and Dr. Martin Hornsfeld, both from Crown Bioscience and respectively head of their 3D ex vivo patient tissue platform and senior scientist in oncology. Natalia and Martin recently joined us for a webinar describing how the tumor microenvironment modulates clinical responses and how patient-derived ex vivo and engineered in vitro models can be used for preclinical immuno-oncology testing. Let's jump right in. Natalia, question for you here. What are the main differences between tissue slices and 3D ex vivo approaches?
1: Thanks, Lime. Yes, indeed, that's a nice question. I would say the main difference is the throughput, because in the tissue slices, we can have much lower throughput than in 3D ex vivo, where we see it in a 3D four well plate format, and we have more tumor clusters. On the other hand, the tissue slices preserve tissue architecture a bit better because they recapitulate the whole environment together, but they require much more preparation as well. and and a more labor intensive.
0: Yeah, fantastic, great answer. Martin, one here for you. What's the maximum amount of, or number of different cell types that can be added to these co-culture setups?
2: Yeah, thank you. Well, so far, what we uh, we used uh, a maximum of uh, three to four different cell types. So either we combine uh, cancer cells, uh, organoids, with different types of myeloid cells. So we do have experience with uh, running uh, macrophage, T-cell co-cultures, monocyte T-cell co-cultures that I already gave an example of, but uh, there's nothing holding us back to add some fibroblasts or other cell types to that mix. But currently, the imaging channels are most limiting. So if you have like five channels, that's also the maximum amount of markers that you can use, of course, often to extract specific features. I mean, there's, of course, many other workarounds that also uh, in the Xvivo platform, we also make use a lot of the morphological scoring of different components. So within our own experience, up to four cell lines is uh, the maximum so far.
0: Right. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Thanks. All right. So Natalia, is it possible to pre-select patients with a specific mutation or treatment history for these kinds of assays?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Sometimes it is. If uh, it's, for instance, a triple negative breast cancer, in that case, patients do get genetical screening before the material gets to us. But if it's something very specific mutation, then most probably we will not know it when the sample comes in. For the treatment history, it is possible to get patient samples that are pre-treated. It will be most common used treatment options like chemotherapy or other treatments. It is quite difficult to get access to samples that were, for instance, treated with immunotherapy first or or something like that, because, because this is just not a very standard treatment for a lot of cancers yet.
0: Perfect. Great answer. One for Martin, you know, what other methods were used to validate the phenotypic characterization of myeloid polarization? That's correct.
2: Yeah, that's correct. I think what you mean here is that uh, I only presented here on uh, morphological features, but I indeed didn't provide much evidence yet on uh, if these morphological features are also backed up with uh, marker expression. But what we do see is that when we differentiate or polarize the myeloid cells into different states, for example, if we different push them towards the dendritic cell state, they start to express more TNF-alpha. If we push them more to the M1 state, we see higher levels of IL-6. If we push them to the M2 state, we see higher levels of IL-10. So this is something that we do also validate for those, uh, you know, when we are training our algorithms on these morphological features. Fantastic. How
0: difficult is it to get access to fresh tumor samples? And which indications would you do this mostly with? Maybe Natalia, you can cover that one.
1: Yeah, of course, we need to either use tissue providers or arrange our own agreements with the hospitals. And then in this case, all the ethical agreements has to be made and ethical protocols approved by the hospital. So it can be challenging, but uh, at Crown Bio, we already established a lot of these connections and we have regular access to patient samples. We do work now mostly with uh, non-small cell lung cancer, ovarian cancer, bladder cancer. These are the samples that we receive a lot. But we also expand to other indications, such as breast cancer, melanoma, prostate cancer, and yeah, many, many others.
0: Excellent. Another good question here. How would you better maintain and expand isolated TILs? How better?
2: <laughs> well, in our experience, it's always pretty hard to maintain them because they, uh, it's all, uh, my experience mainly is based on uh, pancreatic tissues so there the tails the are uh, the numbers are low they are exhausted I also saw indeed another question in the chat that is asking like can these assays be used to study t-cell exhaustion this is indeed the case you know we can we can isolate them but usually we try to immediately add them into these kind of assays and then test for drugs that can either reactivate these t-cells so do you have anything to add to that uh, Natalia?
1: Yeah exactly that's what I wanted to point out that if the cells are in the exhausted state when they are fresh from the patient, then we can have, we can hope to have a response to checkpoint inhibitors or other drugs that target T cell exhaustion. But once we start to propagate these cells and keep them alive, let's say, and more happy, they lose their exhaustion state and uh, they will not respond anymore to the treatments. So it is possible to keep them alive. We have some protocols but they will uh, lose the exhaustion states and become less interesting, I would say.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, there's, there's actually another uh, question here about T-cell exhaustion. Somebody's asked, can these assays be used to study T-cell immune exhaustion using co-culture with, with uh, cancer stem cells? Yes, certainly. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Martin, here's uh, one for you, I think. Uh, now, so you, you've presented a
2: few allergenic
0: co-culture methods, but are there also autologous possibilities? Yeah, this is
2: a indeed an in, in, interesting request because, of course, within the, the nice thing about the ex platforms is that everything is autologous with this Lego like approach that I just present. We often grab tumors from different patients, match them with fibroblasts or immune cells. From different patients so this, there is quite a effort indeed on obtaining at least the same source material from the same patient but you can imagine that especially for commercial uses you have to be very close to the hospital it is very cooperative in uh, including you know this extra isolation methods so this is uh, licensing and legal wise uh, quite a big uh, hurdle but it is you know there's a lot of attention in that domain there are many different cell types that we can grow from the same Biopsy. So, for example, there are good efforts uh, that uh, at least isolate in parallel the fibroblasts together with the tumor cells, because that's actually relatively easy to do, especially with these fresh cultures. If you split it up uh, in different culture methods, then you can at least get autologous fibroblasts and tumor cells. And sometimes we do get blood uh, that is from the same patient, but in most cases, we we can also try to at least match the HLA types of the PBMCs with the organoids that we use. That's also an in-between solution there.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, thanks.
2: All right, question just came in. What's the
0: best way to specifically deplete M2 macrophages? It's important if we want to demonstrate that M2 macrophages are critical for tumor growth under certain contexts.
2: (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm the best judge of what is the the best approach, I mean, there is of course many different ways to to try uh, modulated population. I think also you know what's very important here to stress is that we use m one and m two in the field as uh, terms to you know sort of defined populations, but as we all know, the myeloid population is very, very flexible and plastic. So there's many in-between states. So if you want to target one marker, likely there are still five or six markers that will uh, be part of the same sort of subtype. So this is always very hard to say. Hard to uh, pinpoint, I would say. Uh, You know, we, we, in our assays, we use reprogramming by using different cytokine stimulations. But in vivo, that's, of course, quite a different challenge than it would be really trying to inhibit these signals uh, or indeed find markers to actively kill the population of cells that we don't want. So, you know, for example, ADC type of Approaches where you have antibodies recognizing two macrophages and uh, killing them with the cargo—you uh, know—those th- kind of approaches are interesting and uh, being chased up in pharma for sure. Yeah, what's the best? That. You know, <laughs> if I would know, I would, uh, I would make it, make it.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers, and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next time.